welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 27th of November 2011, entitled, For Now, Until Then. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 18, verse 31, through to chapter 19, verse 28. Here's Brother Paul Arrowsmith. Well, it's a privilege to um, be invited to come and preach the Word of God to you, to minister the Word of God to you, and... Um, Lovely to see you. Uh, various uh, faces, various friends um, from uh, past years, and it's good to see you still faithful to the Lord. And it's also lovely to see some new faces, um, and, and probably one or two old faces that I can't always put names to. But uh, you know, when the when the uh, when the memory starts to go, uh, <laughs> maybe one or two can identify that. I remember I remember at work uh, a few years ago, just walking through um, the corridor, turn the corridor. And there was a guy at the water cooler and um, says, hi, Graham. I mean, Martin. <laughs> you know, do you ever do that? And that was a few years ago. So, I mean, what state I'm in now, I really don't know. <laughs> but uh, you, you've been praying for me. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm really optimistic. And I'm looking forward to this morning with you. Now, before I start anything at all, I just want to say I just, one thing I want to do. I just want to come down here because we've got three young people here. Do you know, young people are very special. Very special. And they were very special to the Lord Jesus. And you know, most people, well, everybody I know, if you look around, you'll see all these older faces and this one here. But, you know, this, is a, this might come as a real surprise, but once upon a time, we were your age. Once upon, can you imagine that? It's hard to imagine, isn't it? It really is hard to imagine. But once upon a time, we were. I haven't actually got any photos to prove to you that I was once your age. You just have to believe me, okay? I hope that's not too much of a... A stretch but it's lovely to have you and god bless you and i trust that god will, you know you look around you sometimes you see people up here okay and people come along and they minister the word of god and they pray and you think wow and you think oh that's, that's you know fancy being able to do that but you know god can use your lives who knows one day what god will do for you, do in your lives and through your life to other people it's absolutely amazing because there'll be people praying for you and people caring for you, and I trust that, that people come along and say hello to you. Sometimes it's, it's a bit of a problem for people up here. You know, I mean, we're a bit taller than you. Well, you're down here, and we don't make immediate eye contact. But I do trust that people do take trouble to come and say along, say, come along, come along, and say hello to you, and, and, and to say that you know to make sure you're welcome. I trust they do that every week. You better had or I'm coming back. I'm going to sort you all out. Okay. Right. Um, well, thank you again. Let's just have a word of prayer, shall we? Because I tell you, I, I'm totally dependent on God to, to help me to minister his word because um, uh, without him we can do nothing. But in him we can do everything that is his will for us. Is that right? Is that absolutely true? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much. We thank you for each other. We thank you for these young ones who are with us this morning. We especially pray your blessing on their lives. We pray for, for those who are older. Uh, Lord, for you, your blessing particularly on their lives as well. Um, with uh, perhaps different infirmities and uh, not being able to do some of the things that they used to be able to do when they were younger. Uh, but Father, just pray for each one and everyone in the middle, those who have care of children, each one of us that can be a blessing to someone else. And we all can. We all can. Help us to be a blessing. And Lord, help us to walk in your ways. If there's anyone here who as yet has not found Christ as Saviour, who has not yet had that wonderful discovery in life and started the life that you want to have for them. Pray, dear Father, that you would direct them in that way, that you would just warm their hearts and bless their hearts and encourage them and just 
Show them how much you care for them and how much they need you <clears throat> and the issues of life and the issues of eternity. Father, we ask that <clears throat> as we go through this day, we will just step by step and moment by moment uh, be reminded of your goodness and your grace and your care for us and your love for us. And dear Father, that uh, you're the only one that we, you're the one that we most need and you're the only one who can help us to eternity and in this life to be a blessing, an eternal blessing to others. So, Father, we just, just thank you, pray you'd open your word to us now and open our hearts to you. And, dear Lord, we just pray as well for, for those um, over at Falcon Lodge, uh, the ministry there today. Uh, dear Father, we, we pray for Bethel in uh, Coventry, where we normally meet at this time on a Sunday morning. And other, other churches around this land who preach your word, who are faithful to your word. And, dear Lord, we pray for our land uh, that we would have a real spiritual uh, awakening in the churches uh, revival in the churches and awakening amongst those who don't know you as savior that lord this land might be reclaimed for the lord jesus christ in his name we pray with thanksgiving amen amen i have a quick quiz for you <clears throat> quite a quick quiz um i'm going to mention a few names Four seasons, oh, you know, I can't really see you when I'm looking through my glasses because these are the more powerful ones. So I'll try and do it. Yeah, you like it when people look over the glasses at you. It's sort of a bit off-putting, isn't it? But we'll, we'll just bear with me if you will, please. Um, here we are, Four Seasons, Apocalypse, Song of the World, Triumph of Fortitude, Lady and the Unicorn, All Names Of. Anyone got an idea? Begins with a T. All names of difference. I'll give you another clue. How about the Bayo Tapestry? Thank you very much. They're all, all names of tapestries. I haven't got a clue what any of them look like, but you know they, they're all names of tapestries. Famous, apparently, tapestries. Every thread in a tapestry has its place, doesn't it? Every thread in a tapestry has its place and uh, also has its, has its purpose. And so it is with God's people. We have place we have a purpose in god's will in god's purposes for us and for others around us you know for other people life should be different because they know you if you're a christian life should be different because you're having an influence on them and your prayers are having an influence on them and uh, it's a good thing that god leads us to and leads us to people and puts us amongst people so that we can be a blessing to them on his behalf. In a nutshell, the Christian life is very much about each to his or her post. Um, God doesn't want us to be spiritually threadbare. You know, sometimes I think, you know, I perhaps look at my life and I think, am I a bit spiritually threadbare? And perhaps we should, we should look at our lives and just perhaps ask the question and say, well, Lord, I don't want to be threadbare. I want to be useful to you. I want to be displaying Christ to others. It's about faithfully representing our Saviour to a watching world. When he walked on earth, our Saviour was on a mission, and he also had something to say on the subject to his followers. So in reality, the question we could ask ourselves is, am I a follower of Christ? Am I a follower of Christ? And if so, how am I following him in these days? If you would like to turn to the Gospel of Luke, we shall be reading... Uh, from chapter 18 and into chapter 19. Luke chapter 18, 
and we will be starting at verse number 31. Luke 18, verse 31. Give you a few minutes to, uh, a few moments rather, to, uh, to turn the pages. Then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. All things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and shall put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they, that is the twelve, understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside, begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried, so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he, that is Jesus, asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I, might that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight, and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press, because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he, that is Jesus, was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man, by false accusation I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation, sorry, this day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds, and said unto them, Occupy 
till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man, thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou did not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that which I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore, wherefore then, gavest not thou my money unto the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said, said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath, shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. And when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. I've called this message, for now, until then. Because we live in the present time, don't we? We live now. If there's anybody here who's not living now, could you please put your hand up? I'll have a chat with you afterwards explain we'll have a little conversation i don't know how to go but um but we live now don't we we live now but there will come a time which we know as then and that time that i'm particularly thinking of is a time when this life has finished this life yours and mine has been completed whether we're older or whether we're younger we only have so much time to live here I'm looking at these young faces. I imagine that every one of them has a lot longer to live than I have because I'm getting a bit older. As you might have noticed, I'm, I'm slightly older than you folks, all right? Okay, if you've noticed that, you don't have to tell me. I've, I've guessed it. I've worked it out myself. Okay, fine. But we've only got so much time to live. We, we have so much time. If we're not a Christian, we've only got so much time to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Saviour. And... For each of us who are a Christian, that might be everybody here, I don't know, but each of us who know Christ as Saviour, we've only got so much time to save him, to serve him rather, we've only got so much time to serve him, we've only got so much time to live for him, we've only got so much time to represent him well to others, we've only got so much time to encourage one another. Do you know, that's a lovely thing to do. That's a lovely thing to do, to encourage fellow believers. I hope you make that big part of your life. If you're a Christian, if you know Christ as Saviour, I hope you made a big part of your life to encourage fellow Christians, as well as uh, a big part of your life to seek uh, to help others to come to know him as saviour. Right, I've got a number of questions, and what I'm going to do 
I'm going to tell you what the questions are, and then we're going to look at them. Would that be all right? So you can see where we're going. So you can see where we're going. First question is, what was Jesus doing in Jericho? No hands, it's okay, we'll, we'll come to it in a minute. Second question, what reaction might Jesus expect from the crowds? Question number three, to Jesus, what was the essential issue? What was the essential issue? And then, what did Jesus, why did Jesus now tell a parable? And then, what response might Jesus expect from us? So, should we, should we dive in? Should we dive in and see what we can what we can uh, think about here. Do you remember the last time someone in town with a clipboard stopped you to ask a question? Do you ever see these people with clipboards? I stand around like this with a pen. They're looking out for people. They're looking out, and, and you saw them. That one? I've got, got somewhere to go. I'm late for work. I'm late for work. Um, genuinely. <laughs> uh, if it happens in the middle of Nuneaton at about two minutes to two o'clock on a midday afternoon, I am trying to get back to work on time. Genuinely. True. Right. But um, now imagine you're the one with you're the one with the clipboard now. Okay? It's not somebody else, it's you. And um, <clears throat> you're asking passers-by a question. It's a very simple question. What question might you want to ask passers-by? I wonder you guys down here. Just imagine if you were a little bit older, so you're as tall as everybody else, and you've got a clipboard and a pen to write things down, and you just want to know this. Uh, from different people, you want to know an answer to a very simple question. It is a very simple question. Quite a profound question, though. Here is the question. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, madam. Um, can I just ask you, uh, thank you for stopping, what is your main purpose here today? Oh, I've come to do some shopping. I've come to get a bottle of milk. We've run out of bread. I need a new dress for a special event. Not me, no, sorry, a new suit for a special event. If I was a lady, perhaps I might be looking for a new dress. Um, but I'm looking for new, you know, this or that or whatever. That's, a sort, that's probably the sort of answers that you would get. That is probably the sort of thing that people would say to you. Certainly Jesus wasn't in Jericho by chance, nor just to pass the time. Rather, he was there for a deliberate reason. And in chapter 18, we read just earlier... Uh, from verses 31 to 34, uh, it tells us there, um, Then he took unto him the twelve, said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem. He'd come to Jericho, but he was on his way to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. He was there for a purpose. He was going to Jerusalem, not just to go to Jerusalem, but to go to Jerusalem for a purpose. And it was a purpose had been written down before he ever came from heaven to earth, before he was ever born as a little child that first Christmas, before he ever became your age, before he ever became a teenager, before he ever got to Jericho. Right, so there we are, verse 32. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles weren't his friends. Right? These Gentiles that we're going to be handed over to were not his friends. And he shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. That's his disciples. 
And this saying was hid from their eyes, neither knew they the things which were spoken. And so Jesus, he came for a purpose. He came to die for us. He came to die for us because we can't die for ourselves. We can't, we can't die to, to give ourselves salvation, but he died to pay the penalty. He'd never sinned. He died to pay the penalty for our sin. He would take our sin on himself and he would hang there on the cross suffering the punishment for our sin. That's how much he loves us. But that would not be the end of the story because he would rise again, and that was wonderful. But at the point that we're reading this, he'd not yet gone to the cross. He'd not yet died for us. Maybe we could ask, what's our purpose here today? And what's our purpose elsewhere at other times? What is our purpose whenever we're awake, whenever we're breathing? What is our purpose? Do we have a purpose? It's a great thing to have a purpose. And it's a tremendously great thing to have a great purpose, to have the great purpose, to have God's purpose in our lives. <clears throat> there are practical purposes, of course, but also spiritual purpose, the kind of purpose that links us with what God himself is about. It's the kind of life attitude that turns believers into personal workers. The kind of Christian who is spiritually sensitive to others, the kind of Christian who's on the lookout, reaching out to people, reaching out to people thoughtfully, as a habit even. Isn't it wonderful to be like that, to be on the lookout for others, to be on the lookout to encourage our fellow believers, to be on the lookout to um, encourage young people in our midst, to be on the lookout for those who are hurting, for, for those who, who've got problems, those who need just one-to-one -one prayer, those who are looking for a, a friendly smile. Those who are looking for, for someone just to show them a little bit of love on behalf, especially on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if they don't know that they need someone coming to them on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, they do. But certainly people know that they need a smile. People know that they need friendship. That which is genuine from people who really care about them. So we asked the question, what was Jesus doing in Jericho? And we asked the question, what are we about today? But then this question, what reaction might Jesus expect from the crowds? Um, did you ever want to do right, but you knew it wouldn't go down well with others around you? Uh, maybe those others were your classmates at school, maybe some neighbours or workmates. You knew the likely reaction and you didn't really expect them to be kind. Possibly those around the blind beggar were a different crowd to those who were around Zacchaeus. In chapter 18, verse 39, the first crowd, you remember what happened? They rebuked the beggar, told him to shut up. Told him to shut up. It's not a nice thing to be told to shut up, is it? Especially when you're behaving yourself. At other times, you'd understand it. But if you're behaving yourself, that, why? Why? You know, but there we are. It was a pretty negative atmosphere in which to stop uh, for this beggar to stop and to reach out to Jesus. But you notice there was a change in chapter 18 and verse 43 after uh, Jesus had spoken to the beggar and healed him. And it says, And immediately he received his sight and followed him, followed the Lord Jesus, glorifying God and all the people. Now, these are the people who had told him to shut up, right? That one minute, they're telling him to shut up. And then after Jesus has had this conversation with him and healed him, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. 
There's now it's the strangest folks, is there? <laughs> There's now it's the strangest folks, but thankfully we have a God who is faithful. When you and I make time for the Saviour, we just don't know how others will react, do we? More importantly, we don't know what God may accomplish with us. We don't know what God may accomplish through your life or through mine. But if we start our days, day by day, honestly, asking God to change us and to work in other people's lives through us, shouldn't we be expecting that? Shouldn't we be looking for that to happen? Shouldn't we be ready to play our part in some way in somebody's life? And who knows what God will do? Who knows what God will do through your life and through mine? Let's get into the habit of asking him. Let's get into the habit first thing in the morning, even before you oh, creak out of bed. That's what I do in the morning. I creak out of bed. I don't dive out of bed. I don't jump out of bed. I might look reasonably all right at the moment, but I tell you, first thing in the morning, you ask my wife, what's he like first thing in the morning? What's he like first thing in the morning? Getting out of bed. He has to do a few exercises before he even gets out of bed. <laughs> it's a shame, isn't it? But there we are. Um, I'm losing my track here, aren't I? Here we go. But it's amazing what we can do and how we can be a blessing in other people's lives. Now, here we are, another question. Uh, you remember it from a few moments ago. To Jesus, what was the essential issue? What was the essential issue? Was it all about coming to heal a blind man. Well, that was part of it. That was part of it. But I just want you to imagine for a moment. Do you know the name John Lennon? John Lennon is no longer alive upon this earth. Um, he was a, a writer and a singer. Imagine for a moment as John Lennon did. He wrote this song called Imagine. And in it, he imagined that there is no God, that there is no heaven that there is no judgment of sinners. I want you to also imagine, as a, a certain humanist atheist, um, Richard Dawkins insists, absolutely insists, he insists there's no creator, and he believes that every functioning, complex, highly organized, interdependent biological system came about by chance. In other words, the likes of you and me. You know, our, our skeletons, they, they sort of came about by chance. Um, this shrink wrapping that we call skin, which has apertures in just the right places, you know, so that we can hear and we can see and we can breathe and we can taste and we can eat. Oh, we couldn't have something to eat, that just wouldn't be the same, would it? But, you know, God has designed all of this. We have a system that runs right through us so that we can eat, but it doesn't just stay there. We don't just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, God has thought about all of these things that, you know, the, 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 um, the, the system that takes our blood through our veins and there's something called a blood-brain barrier, apparently. I don't know too much about that. And there's all these different control systems. They must have all come about by chance, mustn't they? You think I'm stupid? I don't think you're stupid. I don't think you believe that either. But there's a man, a very clever man, um, who believes that and insists upon it and and tells us that we should not believe the word of God. Well, I think I'd rather believe God, and I'd rather believe common sense, if you ask me. Okay, if all this were true, what John Lennon uh, wrote in his song and what Richard Dawkins insists upon, if all this were true, how could there be any essential issue or lasting purpose to any of our lives? 
How could it be? But Jesus gives us a different picture. If we look at chapter 19, verses 9 to 10, and Jesus said unto him, this is to Zacchaeus now, this day is salvation come to this house. This day is salvation. Do you know, it's a wonderful thing when salvation comes to a house where you live, where you go through that front door every day. You know, the salvation of God changes lives and families. And when the people who live in a house know Christ as Saviour and love each other with the love of God and pray for each other and care for each other, it is a wonderful thing. It's very different to the doors that, the, the doors that you go through down the street and over the road and around the corner. I would much rather live in a house where Christ is honoured and Christ is loved than anywhere else I mean, other places might be nice, but the best place to be is among the people of God. Except, of course, when God wants to send us out to reach others. But, you know, the Bible says that God sets the solitary in families, and he sets people of God in a place where other people of God meet. I think I'm looking at one. Isn't it good? It is good to meet together. Even if there's no Christians, no fellow Christians where you live at home, it's good to be able to meet together um, week by week in a place such as this, in the Church of Christ. Okay, so here we are. We have this picture in 19, verses 9 to 10. <clears throat> and here is a man, salvation has come to his house because the Lord Jesus Christ has come to his house. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ that anyone could ever have salvation. And in verse 10, for the Son of Man, that is the Lord Jesus, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's, a, that's our task too, isn't it? We follow in his footsteps. He wants us to be seeking to reach others. Now, we can't save them, but we can point them to the Saviour. You know, we are to be ambassadors for Christ, the Scripture says. We're to be signposts pointing people to Christ. I like the thought of an ambassador. I like the thought of a signpost. I also like the thought of footprints. You know, we leave footprints through life, don't we? We can be pointing people by our lives in the right way, or when we, if people follow our footprints, where will it take them? Where will the example of our lives take them? We need to be ambassadors for Christ. We need to be faithful ambassadors. We need the, the signpost that we put out with our lives to be pointing in the same way that our lives are going. There needs to be that consistency. Well, <clears throat> here we are. What are you worth? What am I worth? The Gospel according to John Lennon or Richard Dawkins could be read as follows. When you're dead, you are dead as a doornail, so you might as well shake your fist at God. Till then, you're just a fortunate cosmic accident. Enjoy it while you're here. Now, does that sound like it's good advice? Not to me. Not to me at all. That's not the sort of advice that I would like to hear anybody give anybody else. I'm afraid that's what you hear one way or another, subtly or directly, on so much of the media today. <clears throat> but we don't have to go that way, do we? Because we have a saviour who leads us in a different direction. Whether John Lennon repented in his last moments, trusting Christ as saviour, we don't know. Whether Richard Dawkins will do so, we don't know. We can pray for Richard Dawkins. It's too late to pray for John Lennon, of course, because he's gone. We, but we have the opportunity now to respond to God with open hearts. And the lives he's given us, we can live out for him each day, looking out for others who need him. Well, you say, wasn't there another question? 
Did you have a, another question or two? Well, we actually got to the next one. Here it is. Why did Jesus now tell a parable? Because <clears throat> he'd done this wonderful miracle with this man called Bartimaeus, who whenever he walked around, needed help because, you know, I can see, you can see, but he couldn't see. It was the same. Whether he had his hand over his eyes or whether he didn't have his hand over his eyes, it was the same until that day that he met Jesus. And then, if he did that, he couldn't see. If he did that, wow, that's brilliant. I can see. Don't we take things for granted? Don't we take that? You ever see someone and they're walking like this with a white dog in front of them and they move slowly because they can't see. The dog can, they can't, but we can see. Isn't it wonderful to be able to see? Isn't it a tremendous thing? Do you know God has given us sight so that, you know, and, and hearing and being able to have conversation with people and being able to have a smile, being able to talk to people, all of these things and many more so that we can represent him well in the world, so that we can live for him. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. Um, how often do we take so much for granted? I speak of myself, but we all do, don't we? Okay. So here we are. Why did Jesus now tell a parable? The answer is in 19, verse 11. And they heard, as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh, that is, near to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. These people around him, even his disciples, were thinking, yes, yes, he's now going to take over, and we're going to have... Um, we're going to be in charge of our own country because remember the Romans had taken over the land of Israel and um, those around were perhaps expecting Jesus to be a powerful leader and take charge of the country and even beyond the country perhaps. But that wasn't what he had come to do. Not at that point, certainly. Right, well, the crowd around him had these false expectations. Surely with Jesus doing these amazing things, they were on a roller. God's kingdom must be just around the corner. Uh, with them on the inside, and presumably all the Roman invaders, all those Roman soldiers uh, and procurators thrown out. How many of us have ever wanted to rush God's hand and direct his ways and say, this is what I want really for you to do, Lord. This is what my plan would be. But which of us could design and successfully bring into reality a single human being, or a planet like ours, or a galaxy, even a small galaxy. Well, of course, all galaxies are very big, aren't they? A fairly small galaxy compared to the others. Or a way of salvation. Could you or I ever design a way of salvation that meets the demands of a holy God, yet fulfills his desire to forgive and to save us? Since he can do all these things, and since he knows best, where does that leave us? Where does it leave you? Where does it leave me? Back in Isaiah, book of Isaiah, chapter 55 in the Old Testament, verses 8 and 9, this is what we read. For my thoughts, says God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When we think about these things, we think about how great God is and how he's so far ahead of us in his thinking and in his planning and in his purposes 
what should be our reaction? I think our reaction should be readiness. That we think, I just need to be ready to pay attention to God more, to seriously pay attention to God, to put myself at his disposal, to be ready to listen, to be ready to learn, even something that's quite difficult, to be ready to wait his timing and his direction. I'm sure that God would be very pleased with us to have that response to him because that puts us where he can lead us. That puts us where he can change us and he can make us a more and more effective part of his purposes for those around us. Okay, we're moving on ahead now. And here's that last question, all right, this last question that I mentioned to you earlier. You might be thinking, well, hang on, what were those other questions? There was, um, what was Jesus doing in Jericho? There was, what reaction might Jesus expect from the crowds? To Jesus, what was the essential issue? And why did Jesus then tell a parable? And here we are, the last question. What response might Jesus expect from us? Now, I've touched on this a number of times, haven't I, as we've gone through. But let's just think about this. What response might Jesus expect from us? Well, how did Saul of Tarsus respond when Jesus stopped him in his tracks as he was heading to Damascus to do what he thought was a, a good thing to do, but which was actually tearing apart the church? In Acts 9, verse 6, his response was, Lord, what will you have me to do? What will I have me to do? And the scripture says he was trembling and astonished when God spoke to him. I just wonder if God has spoken to any one of us today. In any way at all. You know, we're not used to being trembling and astonished, are we? We're not, not used to be trembling and astonished. But, you know, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of God really moving you forward in your life. Now, whoever you are, wherever you are, I'd just like you to forget everybody around you because I just want to think about yourself now. Sometimes it's good to think about number one. Well, actually, number one is God, but also it's good to think about number two, which is me, or you in your case. And just to think, Lord, what will you have me to do? Lord, I'd like you to direct me. I'd like you to be directing me this day. I'd like you to be directing me, even right after church, in my conversations with people, in um, just how I relate to people, in whatever happens when I'm heading home from here, between here and home, when I get home, the rest of the afternoon, rest of the week, the rest of my life. But, you know, the rest of your life begins right now. The rest of my life begins right now. Lord, what would you have me to do? That was a question of Saul of Tarsus, as God was just about to change him into the Apostle Paul. And there can be great changes in your life, there can be great changes in any of our lives, basically with one word, Lord, yes. And Lord, help me to follow you. Help me just to follow through with you. We already know that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And furthermore, when Saul had become uh, the Apostle Paul, he wrote in Galatians 6 verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. 
especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's not neglect one another. Let's not neglect our young people. Let's not neglect our older people. Let's not neglect the ones who are the quietest. Let's not neglect the ones who seem to be on the outside. Let's not neglect those who look like we're not going to get much of a conversation with them because they don't look like the sort to talk to anybody. Go to them. Give them a smile. Give them a warm smile. Say hi. Tell them that you do appreciate them being here. And just, just get into conversation. You know, friendship is a wonderful gift. It's a tremendous gift to receive, but, you know, it's more blessed to, to give than to receive, isn't it? Isn't it? And, you know, the more you give the gift of friendship, it's a wonderful thing, you find you have more and more friends. Isn't that great? And relationships are something that you can, that God works through to bring others to Christ and to encourage fellow believers. So as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. That's found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Sorry, what, cha- what book of the Bible was that found in, anyone? Still in Galatians. Chapter, Galatians chapter 6. Great, thank you. You get a brownie point there. <laughs> verse 10. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. I mentioned that because it's one of my favourite Bible verses. It's a wonderful Bible verse. There are many, many wonderful verses in the Bible. You, you just keep, keep finding them as you read through. Tremendous. Acts, 6, Acts 9, verse 6. Lord, what will you have me to do? Galatians 6, verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Right. So it makes sense if we ask, who can we reach out to and how as Christians can we help them? Right. I only have five more page, no, pages now. No, I don't have five more pages. You're all right. Not too, not too much further to go down. So who among fellow Christians can we reach out to and help? How about your pastor and your elders, your deacons? You can reach out to them and help them by praying for them. You can reach out to them and help them by encouraging them. What about the older men and women of the church, the younger men and women, the teenagers, the children? Visiting believers, Christian neighbours if you have any, Christian fellow students if you have any, Christian workmates if you have any. If you don't now, maybe you will. Maybe you will as you reach out to them. Who among those who are not yet Christians? Family members? I'm sure all or most of us have family family members and relatives who are not Christians. Neighbours? Friends? Others you work or study with? Uh, One of the things I do at work, um, where I work, it's a council. And... People leave. People come, people go. And, you know, as Christians, you look out for opportunities to talk to people about Christ, share testimony, to be a signpost, to be an ambassador, to be a set of footprints to people, to help them to come to Christ. But, you know, it's possible to have conversations with people and not actually to get the chance to, um, to talk to them about the Saviour. But when they leave, what happens? What usually happens is um, there's a little gathering and their boss says a few things about them, a few embarrassing things perhaps, and a few nice things, and, and people shake hands and, you know, to, to see them off. But that is a great opportunity. Always look for opportunities, right, in the Christian life. That's a great opportunity to get a little card from the card shop which says, you know, sorry you're leaving or whatever, and you can put a nice little message in there, and then you can put some Christian literature in there. 
a little gospel tract or a daily bread or something, and you put that in there and you could put a little note on the back saying, it'd uh, be great working with you and um, sorry you're going. Anytime you want to be in touch, here's my number or here's my email so that they can come back to you, that they can come back to you. They may never do so, but you've given them an opportunity and do pray for them. Well, that's, that's, that's one opportunity that I find I've got at work. But who among others who are not yet Christians can you reach out to? Well, there's um, people at the shops, at the garage, the bank, the building society, the post office. There's still a few post offices around, by the way. I have noticed one or two. Your doctor, optician, dentist, and the vet. Well, you probably don't see the vet. If you haven't got a pet, you probably wouldn't. But uh, the postman, the tradesman, on public transport, went out for a walk. How? Pray for others. Pray for opportunities and expect them. Be spiritually prepared. Spend some time with God each day, early each day, as soon as possible, even as you're just about to get out of bed, even as you're walking down to make yourself a cup of tea, uh, even as you're, you know, brushing your teeth and shaving. And you men as well. While you're shaving, you can do that too. Um, sorry, I got... Yeah, but there we are. There's all... Just the Bible says to redeem the time. Redeem the time. And we can be redeeming the time at all sorts of times. Um, yeah, a friendly smile and a friendly word. Care genuinely and look out for those who are outside the circle and ask God to guide you to the people that he wants you to be a help to. Build friendships, take an interest, be a good listener. When sharing the gospel, don't rush. Perhaps you're chatting to somebody at work, you could briefly mention your church. You know, people say, do you have a good weekend? You perhaps mention it. Well, I did a bit of shopping on Saturday, and we were in church on Sunday. That was good, and you know. And then you sort of move on past, and uh, you could mention your Christian activities, your Christian friends. Not all in one go. Just drop something in, so people know. Oh, hang on. Here's somebody who goes to church, or here's somebody who mentions a Christian friend. I haven't heard somebody mention that before. And then you just move on, and maybe they'll come back and ask you, and that gives you permission to tell them. And if they don't that time, pray another time. You'll get an opportunity. We're not to force feed anybody. We're not to um, to put, you know, pressure on people and bear down on them. But we can pray for them, and we can speak to them as God gives us opportunities in a gracious way in the Lord's timing. Be ready to say why you came to Christ and how you came to Christ, and also how you see your life now. Be ready to offer offer Christian literature. Um, it's always a good idea to um, to carry some form of Christian literature, some gospel tracts. I believe you do use them. Um, there's, there's, there's various ones that you can have, and, and try and have them close to hand. It's good to do that so that you can pass them on uh, to folk uh, without too much fumbling around. Don't pester. Consider who you can personally invite along and to, to what meeting. It might be a Sunday morning here or it might be something else. Uh, where they'll have an opportunity to meet other Christians and to hear the gospel. Be a welcoming person. Be patient, be kind, be consistent. Now, I cannot say that I measure up to all of this. How much of it, I don't know, but it's only by God's grace that any of us can do or be anything for him. But this is what the Christian, normal Christian life is about. This is why we're here. Well, we've been looking at how we occupy our God-given lives, making the most of God-given opportunities, 
reaching out to others on behalf of our Saviour. Of course, I've been talking to Christians, mainly to Christians. <clears throat> Does that include you? Maybe there's someone here who perhaps you now see it's only in Christ that life can make sense. But we only discover that for ourselves when we say a personal yes to him. And if you never have, I'll just say this, one more question. Wouldn't today be the best time to say yes to him? Wouldn't it? Amen. Amen.